You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hey, this is Jamie. And this is Danielle. And welcome to the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast, episode 36. Today, we have a super special guest, and we are incredibly excited to have her on because we personally rely on her for pretty much everything as it comes to our websites. And so we are very excited to have her on to talk all about the tech side of GDPR. So we are very excited to welcome Jill Sessa from Ultimate WP Help. Jill, thank you so much for coming on the show. Jamie, thank you so much. This is the first time in my entire life Somebody has said they're excited to talk to me about GDPR. (laughs) (laughs) That actually might be the first time I've ever said I am excited to talk about it. (laughs) But in all seriousness to Danielle and Jamie, I appreciate your trust in me. Um, I'm partnering with you on a lot of this information and certainly on your own websites because this is important. This is going to affect a lot of businesses moving forward so that we're able to provide them some great information, give them a bit of a foundation. It feels really rocky right now. So I'm happy to talk about it. I'm not sure. Danielle, I don't know that there are words for how much we love Jill. <laughs> are there? I oh, mean, try to use them. Just try. No. You know, <laughs> Jamie and I have talked about like maybe someday we need to take the step of getting a matching tattoo. It's probably going to be your name. <laughs> so <laughs> we will never break up, I promise. Oh, we can't. We will find you. <laughs> we will find wherever you are in the US, we will find you. You need to tell us a little bit about yourself. Our listeners may not know and love you the way that we do, although by the end, I know they will. So tell us a little bit about your background. Oh, fabulous. I love talking about my background. No, just kidding. (laughs) So I am actually a location independent. I run my business from the road, as I say. So I travel full time. Right now, I'm doing that out of a sidecar motorcycle called a Ural. And I've been traveling for five years, visiting everywhere in the US. We have an insanely beautiful country and I want to explore it. This comes from a lifetime of sort of wander, lust, and trying to figure out where I fit in in this world. So I've found it, that I fit in everywhere, and it's kind of fantastic. I had a history as a fitness professional for a very long time, and then due to illness, nothing that we need to get into, but I had to make some changes. And I found that everything that enabled me to be a really well-equipped, decent fitness instructor was about structure, and that applied very well to websites. 
And so I turned my attention to website maintenance and support. And that's what I do now. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of things that you handle at Ultimate WP Help? And not just like my email saying, hey, um, I try to do something by myself. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, that's mostly what we handle, to be quite <laughs> honest, is the because uh, we do specialize in small businesses. So we deal a lot with solo entrepreneurs um, or you know people that maybe have a virtual assistant, or a couple of staff members, those kinds of things. So tech is not their, their jam, and that's wonderful. Our tagline is actually, you focus on your genius, let us focus on ours. And what our genius is, is around implementation. So it's kind of a fascinating thing because we're not graphic designers, we're not web designers, we're not truly coders and developers, but we take all of that and put it into place on the website, but also communicating with our clients in lay people speak, you know, some tech speak, of course, but hopefully enabling us to translate it so that our clients can understand what needs to happen or we're understanding what they're trying to tell us needs to happen on their site. So we primarily deal in WordPress sites, but we have um, taken on Shopify and Squarespace sites as needed for people that are recommended to us by those that um, know and trust us. That means that we take care of the back end, that big, scary update button. We're the ones that take care of it for you. But we also do things like put content up on the website or connect any services that you have, like your email autoresponder, e-commerce, making sure that everything plays well together. And we're pretty much insanely grateful for all of the things that you described because that's what keeps us running. <laughs> so thank you. Yay, you're quite welcome. <laughs> exactly. So let's now talk about GDPR. Uh, yeah, I know. We're ready, guys. Our We're audience ready. just did like a collective groan, like, again. Uh, Don, insert that. <laughs> we want you to put in the sound bite of the. Oh, ladies, that was just. I... <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who may not have listened previously, GDPR is the new European Union privacy law, and it does uh, potentially affect. U.S. companies. Uh, we discussed it at length in episode 32, so we're not going to go back into that now. But if you want more information, you can visit businesses.com slash GDPR, and we have links to that podcast episode and a bunch of other resources for you. Jill, we are getting so many questions right now in the HQ about the tech side of GDPR. So in our GDPR checklist that we created that's available on the link Jamie just gave, we give people some steps that are related to the tech side of their business. And we thought it would be better to have you come and talk about the practical side of that implementation process. So we are going to do things step by step because there is no panicking and we are going to make this very accessible. So Jill, what is the first step you recommend on the tech side of getting GDPR compliant? It's the first step I recommend on any time you're taking a project like this on. Grab yourself your favorite cuppa. For me, it's a turmeric cashew nut latte. I often like to put cardamom in it. And it is all about taking that deep breath and not letting yourself get overwhelmed. Because if you look at the long list, you're going to get overwhelmed. This is overwhelming for large businesses right now. So imagine as one person, how you're going to feel. So really the very first thing that you need to do is recognize that you're going to need to spend some time on this. I am recommending that you set aside anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours, depending on the complexity of what you have in place. First actual tech step after you get that nice cuppa, calm yourself down and set aside the time is looking at all of the places 
people are potentially giving you their information. So this is all of the places on your website, the connected services that you have. For the majority of us, this has to do with our email marketing, but it could also have to do with the connections to things like analytics, Hotjar, video services, you know, any place that somebody may be looking into your website. Get a handle on that. Think about all of the things that you have implemented in your business and start writing them down, typing them out, but just really getting a handle on it. We are big believers in starting out with the audit because it's easy to panic at the unknown. But as soon as you start to know the steps, I think it makes it a little more calming. And then again, I'm a big list maker. So maybe that's just me. One of the first questions that most people have, and I think this is because this impacts pretty much anybody with a website is on Google Analytics. What we have advised people is because Google Analytics collects IP addresses, GDPR can come into play. So we've talked a lot about anonymizing Google Analytics. Can you talk to us a bit about this? Because people are in a little bit of a freak out panic mode Mm -hmm. on it because they're very concerned that they've got to mess with code. They may have to mess with code. I'm going to be quite honest there. But when I say mess with code, it's not that you have to go in and code your entire website. It's just that you may need an to add a line to the Google Analytics script that you use on your website. But really, this all depends on your audit of how are you actually implementing Google Analytics. So for some people, if they have a WordPress site, they actually connected their GA account through a plugin on their WordPress website. And let me tell you, you're going to be glad that you did because many of these plugins have now increased sort of the uh, uh, analytics things that they're connecting with, all of the settings that you can play with. And you can actually write through the plugin, check a box and say, I want to anonymize IP addresses. So I'm actually going to suggest for a lot of people, and especially if you have a WordPress website, this makes it easy, but the do-it-yourself or the other uh, website builders are implementing this as part of their services as well. Connecting through the plugin gives you the human readable way to make these choices. You're still going to have to make them. You're still going to have to click on the plugin settings and look at what they are and choose to anonymize IP addresses. But it's in a human readable format with a nice slider button or a checkbox or something of that sort. If you make the decision to anonymize your Google Analytics, do you lose any data? In some ways, you lose some very minuscule amounts of data. But the anonymization is not that the entire IP address gets wiped out. It's that the last section, so if you look at an IP address, it's grouping of four segments of numbers. So that last segment of numbers is what gets anonymized. The first section of one, two, and three of those four sections have to do with the area in which your IP is coming from in a very general way, your country, your region. That last segment could be what identifies your machine that you're connecting through. So the anonymization isn't going to say, oh, random person visited my website. It's going to say a person that we cannot directly identify visited from Jersey City, if that makes sense. So it's anonymized in the fact that I can't tell it's your machine, but it's still going to give me enough data for the things that we're looking at with Google Analytics. That's really helpful because I think a lot of people are concerned right now that they're going to lose data, like they won't be able to tell how many uniques they've gotten each month. That's not going to happen is what you're saying. It's just a small little string. That's super helpful. Jamie, we've seen that question quite a few times so far. You should not be looking at your Google Analytics as this single person came and visited my website. You should be looking at it in the sense of the 
trends of pages people are visiting, what they're searching for, why they're coming to your site. You don't necessarily need to know the machine exactly that that person connected to. That's what you use pixels for, which is a different and distinct part of having a website. And people do need to recognize that. That's so helpful. I've definitely seen so much confusion. And I think it's just because people aren't taking the time to learn about it. So that does make a huge difference. And I frankly don't think most people use Google Analytics uh, for that purpose of identifying a single user. I think they are doing it for what you've described. But, but they I, in some way think that they are, or that's where the confusion lies that's is that, you know, it's like, well, I'm supposed to be knowing what all my visitors are doing, but you can know what the girl from Jersey City is doing without knowing that it was Jamie walking out of her, you know, place in it, New Jersey. I want to add one small thing. Do you want to know what I use Google Analytics for? Yes, please. To find weird things that people got to the site searching for, like the Perfect. really weird stuff. And you're like, how did I come up for that? But anyway, just Perfect. an aside. <laughs> because that's what, that's what Google Analytics allows you to do is look at the pathway of what somebody typed in or the website that they were on, the link that they clicked on, all of those kinds of things. It's the pathway to your site, through your site. The like pixels it. are what allows you to communicate with an individual person who may have visited your site. And that is a separate entity. With pixels and cookies, and that's what GDPR is really all about, is did I, as one individual person, agree for you to look at the way I interact with you? So if I agree that you can track my usage of your website and the pages that I went to, the product I did or didn't buy. That is done through a pixel and a cookie that's placed on somebody's machine. And by machine, I'm using that tech term. That's whatever device they came to visit on, right? When we start tracking people that way, it's because the entire essence of GDPR, but also I just think being a good human, being a good marketer, being a good business person is saying that I have trust in who you are and what you do so that you're going to use that information in a way that benefits us both. Google Analytics is the way to look at things like your long tail keywords. If you have Google Analytics, it may be that you're not even using it, but a developer may have put it onto your site. So you need to start doing some of your due diligence of what accounts do I have for these kinds of things. That's such a helpful explanation, Jill. Like the way that you broke it up was Perfect. Yeah, I think it helps uh, to distinguish between cookies, pixels, Google Analytics, what, what each is used for. But I agree with you as a general matter, notwithstanding GDPR, you should know what data you're collecting on people. Mm -hmm. If you're going to collect that data, you now have an obligation to understand what you're collecting because that's the essence of privacy in general. And so while the U.S. is not quite doing what the European Union is, we do still have requirements here. So it's just important to do that audit no matter what. And if GDPR is the impetus behind that, then there's probably nothing wrong with that. I'm going to tell you, I love this set of regulations because I think it's bringing to the surface these relationships that we have been holding people dear, right? We And potentially holding them captive. And instead we're saying, hey, we want you to trust us. Let's trust you. But it also gives people this awareness of all of the ways that they can connect in with their audience in, in great ways. This isn't meant to be you know, punitive to people. Taking the time to go through all of this, I think, is just a really fantastic exercise for any business person. It's going to give them clarity on how they're connecting to their audience. 
So let's so talk let's, about emails because a lot of people have been asking also about emails. So what is the process like to implement, you know, the GDPR consents that you need on emails with your email service providers? Marketing emails that you send out. This could be, you know, active campaign, convert kit, MailChimp, any of these kinds of things. The very first thing that you need to be thinking about is how did those people even come onto your list? And for I'm going to suggest that if you are an EU resident, you need to do a reconsent. So you need to send out an email to all of the people already on your list, asking them to re-engage with your list. Don't be afraid of this step. A lot of people are like, oh, but I'm going to lose subscribers. That meant that they were never a good subscriber anyway. If somebody wants your information, they're going to be happy to resubscribe. So don't go into it with a sort of lack mentality around this, but instead go into it as that you're going to strengthen the relationship that you have with your subscribers. The second step is to be looking at all of your forms. There needs to be very clear language when they're opting in as to what they are expected to receive from you and what that relationship is going forward. So from a tech side, you need to add a check button that they have to take action on. It can't be auto-checked or pre-filled in. They need to check that button and say, yes, I give you this permission. But then you also need to have plain language on that form. I'm going to say that a lot of the companies that make these absolutely gorgeous forms, there's you know things are going to need to change a little bit. But you'll start to see, and we already have some great examples of well-designed forms that are taking this into account. But they can't just be a very simple one, one box name, one box email submit anymore. You need to be thinking about the checkboxes. You need to be thinking about the language that's on that form as to how you're using it. Many of the service providers, all of them that I've looked at, because we deal with a plethora of them with our clients, All of them have now created a way that you can make the forms you get from them compliant very easily. However, a lot of people use other kinds of services or plugins to put the forms on their website. That is where you're going to need to take a little bit of time and really look at, does that form Did they update so that I can now easily add the compliance or do I need to go into it myself or possibly change to a different way of displaying that form? People need to have given you explicit permission to be on your list. So now's the time to clean up your lists, send out an email asking them to re-opt in and every service allows you to segment people that do those things. And those are now your compliant emails. I think one of the things that you said here is so incredibly important, especially about when we were thinking about being successful online business owners, it was all about build your list, build your list. And people were so concerned about hitting a number that they didn't care about the quality of the subscriber and whether or not that person was likely to become a client. So I love the idea that you are talking about really making sure you've got a good responsive list. These are the people who want to be on your list. So we really want to stress to everyone listening, don't be focused on the potential for losing people, focus on the fact that the people who are going to be there are people who really want your message. Absolutely. And that, and that's looking at it from a very positive standpoint. This is abundance mentality as far as I'm concerned. Now, it may be weird that a tech person just talks about this, but I get to see the back ends of many, 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 many sites, right? I see, you know, the average business person sees their one, two or three sites that they own. We see the hundreds of sites that we manage and touch. And I can tell you across the board, those that have taken all of the steps necessary to make sure that the people on their list are actually wanting to be there, they're legitimate and they're engaged, have much more successful businesses with technically smaller lists. And these tech pieces that we're talking about enable you 
to elevate that entire discussion. And also from a completely different side of this coin, it's going to be a lot less expensive. A lot of the marketing services charge you based on the number of subscribers you have. So if you have this huge list of people that are not engaging with your business and, and you know agreeing to your marketing and loving what you do, you're paying for people that will never bring you any kind of return. It's expensive to have a non-responsive list. I love saving money. So I really, really love that tip too. The next thing, we're going to shift a little bit from emails. And I love the tips that you gave there. I think the thing that's probably freaking people out the most is talking about consent for cookies and pixels and overlays. So let's talk a little bit about the plugins that you can use to manage that. And I'd like to get just some of your recommendations for what to do now and what things you like best on the tech side. Our specialty is WordPress. This does apply across to other services, but I'm going to discuss some of the WordPress tools that are available. There's a plugin simply called GDPR that we have implemented on our own site. And that's one that I will be putting in on on our client sites and those that want us to set it up for them. I really like the steps that they've been taking all along. They've been looking at this for a long time. They've changed some things as the laws and regulations became more clear, because of course that was an issue. This is a little bit of of a black hole that people have been entering into. This plugin will enable you to identify all of the places that you collect emails or you collect pixels or you try, you know, you or you have pixels and tracking and cookies and look at it and provide on an easy to read screen, which is part of the GDPR regulation is that it has to be plain, easy to navigate and just, you know, it will pop up when somebody comes, they can set their preferences so they can actually say, no, I don't want you to collect analytics or track what I'm doing or pixels. I don't allow you to put those on, but yet still be on your site. They can actually determine from a very fine-tuned way. So it is a matter of setting up that plugin and putting it, you know, putting it into play. There's they walk you through the steps of what to do. But I want you to be thinking about the next part of this because it's not just giving consent that is GDPR, but the right to be forgotten is I think one of the bigger tech hurdles that people need to address. So what the right to be forgotten means in terms of your data is somebody can say, I want you to remove all instances of where you have collected my information. You as the site owner, you as the business owner are responsible for completely removing them. There are certain places where the law allows you to anonymize things like e-commerce for invoices in ways that you need to track for taxes and, and filings and those kinds of things. But they do have the right to be forgotten. So how are you going to do that? This plugin that we really like and several others actually create a form on your site that somebody can fill out and submit, and it gives you a dashboard that says this person is asking to be removed. It doesn't actually automatically remove their data because I want you to think about this. In your audit, you're going to have looked at all of the places that you track data, all of the places that you're storing it, and that could be everywhere on your website, everywhere in your email marketing, but also any backup that you've done. Here's an example. We provide backups for our clients. Every one of those backups we've taken needs to be deleted if somebody has has exercised their right to be forgotten. These plugins actually give you a, a dashboard and some steps that you can take in order to remove that person. So again, every backup that you've taken, you actually need to contact your hosting provider and make sure that they delete all of your backups. Many of the hosting providers have 30 days worth of backups. You need to contact them and say, delete all of the backups we have. 
that's phenomenal information. Something definitely you need to think about. Um, and that I'm sure our listeners are like, oh my gosh, so how do I do all this? And the one thing that we really want to highlight and make people aware of is that you're offering a GDPR implementation service. And we've partnered with you on this because you add a piece that we simply can't offer to our clients. And that's really the ability to get the tech side handled by a pro. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you're offering your clients and new clients for GDPR? Sure. I'd be happy to. And we are offering this, by the way, to people who are not members of our service. We have an annual membership service, but people can sign up just for a GDPR compliance setup service package. So the very first thing when you sign up for the package is that you will actually be completing a form that is going to really assist you in analyzing where all of this information is stored and all of the ways that you might need to be in compliance with GDPR. The form is definitely something you're going to want to take a deep breath and maybe grab a cup of coffee or tea in advance of because this is a big job, but it's it's a great step in helping us help you. Then we're having a consultation. You can choose to have a 15-minute consultation or extend that out to an hour. If you're really maybe lost on where you're going with this, I recommend that extended consultation. This enables us to be able to look at all of the tech pieces that you maybe don't have a handle on, or maybe even if you do, again, we see a greater panoply of sites. So I'd be able to look at all of the loopholes that you might have passed over. I'm recommending this plugin. It happens to be a free plugin, but setting it up took me on my own site over 90 minutes, and I have a great handle on this. So this is something that could take anywhere between 90 minutes, and I'm going to guess three hours for a lot of people to make sure that it, their sites are fully compliant. It's setting up the plugin setting up the forms that allow for the, the right to be forgotten, the right to um, data portability. There are other things that, that those plugins do. Making sure all of the opt-in forms on the website are GDR compliant with checkboxes that, that are not already filled in so that the, the visitor is taking action. And also, I'm just going to say it, let's all be a little bit vain. We do want it to match the aesthetic of the site. So in a way that matches the style and the colors, but yet is clearly visible to the user that this is something that they need to pay attention to. One of the things that I think is sort of old school marketing, right, is people like to hide all of this. They would, you know, make the, we are collecting your information, the lightest text possible so that it was barely visible, all of those kinds of things. That is no longer possible. So we want it to be style, you know, have, have some grace about how it's being presented, but also in a way that matches the spirit of the GDPR regulations. I do have to say, I'm talking to two attorneys on this. We are not attorneys. We are simply implementing the best practices as we now know them, but it is the business's job to have a handle on all of their information and they are solely responsible for making sure that their site is compliant and that we have enabled them to check all the boxes that need to be checked for GDPR. As part of this service, I do recommend for people that are maybe more DIYers or smaller businesses, I myself bought your privacy policy template. I just thought it was so amazing how well you captured everything. So I am proudly an affiliate for it. I am telling people that if they don't have an attorney writing up this stuff and instead they tend to be DIYers, the template really walks everybody through exactly what they would need to be compliant. You need to come to us with that template already done, or we can go over it in the consultation if you have a couple of questions. But again, not legal questions, but maybe just simply, what did they mean by where am I 
collecting information. And in many cases, we will take the privacy policies, website terms and conditions, et cetera, that were drawn up by attorneys and make sure that they are put into place. If you have any questions on this, I don't just say this because um, I absolutely adore you too and what you do with your business, but I say this to anybody. If you have any questions on this, this is the time to consult an attorney. This is not the time to kind of step back and say, I can handle all of this. If you think that you're in a situation where your website, your online presence could potentially put you in the crosshairs of the GDPR, now's the time to consult an attorney. We are so in love with this service, Joe, and thank you for that shout out for consulting the attorneys because we do agree that this is a really important time for people. If there's any confusion, this is really the time to get on top of the side of your site. Um, and we just want to make sure that everybody understands Jill is a licensed reseller for our privacy policy, and we are affiliates for the service that she is offering. And if you want to learn more, which we definitely recommend because I can tell you we are using Jill for all of our own GDPR compliance, you can learn more at businessease.com slash GDPR tech. And we will include a link to that just on our main GDPR page as well. I feel like we we need to go to our rapid fire questions, Danielle, because I think people have a lot of information about GDPR. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit bad for them. So, but, uh, no, we'll, get, is, we'll get you through it. It's all great information, but it exactly, is a lot. It is phenomenal information and you really broke it down beautifully. And I think it makes it a lot more manageable. And knowing someone like you exists that can help with the tech side of things, I think will put people's minds at ease. So what do you think, Danielle? Rapid fire questions? Let's do it. Okay. Uh-huh. Number one, Jill, and I think we may have covered this earlier, coffee <laughs> coffee or tea? Well, duh. But if it has caffeine, I will not discriminate. <laughs> Jill has the most specific coffee drink that any guest has ever had. <laughs> What's your favorite book? It can be business or not business. Right now, it's called A Survivor's Journey, and it was actually written by a dear friend. And I'm just inspired by her grace and courage in telling her story. I... I love people that take a circumstance that maybe would floor some other people and turn it to to good and to helping others. It just, it gives me all the feels. I do recommend, I recommend it because I think that people need to put themselves in a place of understanding others' life experience. And uh, Natasha just does a beautiful job of explaining her story. And for me, sometimes, Sometimes they need a little bit of comparison. Like, wait, what you're going through is pretty easy, right? So that also helps in that way. Not that I'm in any way denigrating what other people go through, but sometimes you just need a little bit of a comparison. Next one. And of course, as usual, I'm adding that to my TBR. Um, What was the first thing you did to celebrate success in your business? What'd you do for yourself? Well, I've been in business a really long time. I literally had my first business at 13. So I'm going to tell you that probably the very first thing that I did was buy a new workout outfit because I was a fitness instructor. (laughs) So, And I'm sure it was like some wacko thong bodysuit or something because this was the 80s. But now I celebrate all the time by just simply living a life of contentment. I take time off from the computer screen and I refuse to feel guilty about it. And I think that that's a great way to celebrate doing a business right. I like it. Do you have a word for the year? Two and a half words, actually. Structure and stability. Very nice. Are you Apple or PC? Apple. I fully admit to trying a PC this past year for various reasons, but it hurt my brain. Just it did not function well. But actually, primarily, I'm Google and cloud for all things. And so sometimes that can be machine agnostic. (laughs) Machine agnostic. That's awesome. (laughs) I love it, Jill. Dork. 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Tell everyone where they can find you, please. I would just want to say that I always want to support the people that are supporting us. So please visit us through the links that Business Ease provides. And in this case, it's businessease.com forward slash GDPR tech. And come and see if you need any website maintenance above and beyond GDPR. We're also happy to help with that. We do an annual plan. We support with everything from something that would be maybe more advanced virtual assistant to this higher level implementation of things that make your brain scramble a little bit. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for making GDPR seem much less scary. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. And if you need show notes for this episode, please go to businessease.com slash episode 36. And if you're not members of the HQ, please join us at businessease.com slash HQ. And you can ask us any GDPR questions that you have there right now. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessease.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join, visit businessease.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.